0: Up next is the daily devotional by Pastor Tim Dodson, pastor of Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Subscribe to our podcast by visiting burningdogradio.com and clicking on subscribe. Thanks for listening to Burning Dog Radio. The Gospel of Luke, Chapter 9. Verse 55 says, But he turned and rebuked them. You don't know what kind of spirit you are. For the spirit of man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Now Jesus promptly rebukes his men for their words and their heart. The sons of thunder here wanted to destroy everybody for this impetuous action on their part. But Jesus, no, he wasn't having any of it. Such hearts have been common within the greater church down through the ages from the crusades of yesteryear to the church splits and the backbiting of today's church. If we don't get our way, well, we're just gonna kill you in the name of our God. We want to legislate, criminalize, incarcerate, euthanize. It's the cry of the ages. But please note that all that Jesus did, all that Jesus does, is to redeem sinful men, not destroy them. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Verse 57 of our text begins, As they went on their way, a certain man said to him, I want to follow you wherever you go, Lord. And Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, verse 57 through 62 here presents the story of three men. Three men and three pseudo-lives in Christ. We have the comfort Jesus, the convenient Jesus, and the compromised Jesus. This first man, he wanted Jesus, but he wanted Jesus and comfort. There have always been and are still those who will approach the Lord even today with such verbal commitment. They pass through the Christian realm. In truth, they do so, though, simply on their way to someplace else. But there is that moment as they're passing, for whatever reason, that Christianity seems inviting. And they will, at least for a time, overwhelmingly embrace all aspects of Christ. They come along and participate in the service and in the fellowship and, and whatever, the austere lifestyle. But through it all... They never understand the true cost of discipleship. Because of that, some of these, they last a week, some a month, hey, some even longer. But eventually, yes, eventually, they all drift away back to the world and back to the life they left behind. Perhaps they thought God would somehow fix them up. If so, they didn't understand that God is not in the business of fixing up. He's in the business of death to the old man. He's in the business of new birth. Today, it's the cry of life will be easy now and my troubles will be gone and easy street will be before me. But when things don't go down that way, well, we're gone. And that seems to be the situation here for the man in the story stated that he would follow Jesus wherever he went, but little did he understand what that really meant. However, Jesus obliged him by letting him know just where that path of discipleship led. We are, at, we are left to believe that this clarification by Christ was enough for this man to take a hike. Jesus doesn't promise that walking with him means there'll be no earthly discomforts. In fact, the truth is, a disciple's life means a life of self-denial and difficulty. Comfort and ease are not found walking with Christ. There is indeed a deep joy, yes, a peace knowing that our lives are in and under the control and the care of an all-powerful God. And while He will indeed care for us, we need to know that He desires us also to mature and to grow and to learn. And that, well, that generally only comes through adversity. Remember, too, that, Christian, we are essentially at war, and Wartime calls for special sacrifice and special care. Verse 59, and he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, allow me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, verse 60, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and announce God's kingdom. Now this second man, he was looking to follow Jesus too, but only as it fit into his life. He was the one who wanted the convenient Jesus. For this man, he was willing to follow Christ, but he he had some business to attend to at first. And despite the surface language that we might uh, gather here, the historical aspects of what this man was saying, it actually spoke of something a little deeper than what we get on the surface. It's quite likely here that this man's father was at this point very much alive. He was in essence saying, just let me take care of my family's issues. Just let me take care of my family first. And then when they are all taken care of, I'll come and serve you. But no matter what the issue is, Jesus requires that nothing come before him, even family. He even promises that for those who would adhere to such a request, that he would bless them Mark 10, 29 through 30, a hundredfold. A hundredfold over that which they surrendered for his sake. Verse 61 says, Another also said, I want to follow you, Lord, but first allow me to say goodbye to those who are at my house. Now this third fellow, he was willing to follow Christ too, but only on his own terms. He begins his statement with a faithful statement. He says... I want to follow you, Lord, but... Hmm. You know, that little word has probably robbed more individuals of the blessings of walking with Christ than any other. But, I can't give this up. Or, but I have to do this first. Or, but only under these terms. And, but within this time frame, etc., etc. But, you know, none of these things fly when it comes to the realm of faith we also can read what he says in another way. Actually, what he was saying was, Lord, me first. And as long as we remain the primary focus in our decision of what we do, how we do, when we do it, we're not a disciple. Because putting ourselves first, it's fundamentally impossible as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus said at verse 62, No one having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the, the fit for God's kingdom. Christ followers They're not made of half-hearted stuff and they're nor of dreamy sentimentality. You gotta know this verse doesn't mean that God'll cut you from the pages of the book of life, but it refers instead to his core of discipleship. Elsewhere in Romans 11:29 we read, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. 1 Corinthians 7:20 says, Let each man stay in the calling in which he was called. Again, so many of us come up with all sorts of excuses to abandon the calling God has placed upon our lives. In fact, some go so far as to even blame God. We will sometimes, even to our shame, attempt to place a spiritual spin upon our leaving our post. And nobody buys it. Not your friends and not God, certainly. We, we can claim that God has changed his mind concerning us, or that he's told us to stop serving in what he's called us to. But you need to know, in reality, we began to plow, but in our flesh, in our thirst for other things other than the spiritual, well... We looked back, like Lot's wife. We looked back and became a pillar of salt. Like the children of Israel in the wilderness, remembering the leeks and the onions, ah, the leeks and onions of their Egyptian bondage. They looked back. When we look back fondly upon the world, we allow our lust to carry us away from God's calling that which he has put upon our lives. And in doing so, well, we render ourselves therein unfit for the kingdom and are ruled out of the discipleship and out of the service of God. We must settle the issue in our hearts. Are we a disciple or are we a fraud? That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. For more information about Tim Dodson and Believers Church, visit jfbelievers.com.